0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you're on the world. This is Augie of the Blago Blabber podcast. I'd like to welcome everyone to yet another segment. Thank you guys for tuning in. It is February 6th, 2021. Um, This is another episode of um, This Week in Sports. So as I said last week, I'm going to try to do this uh, once a week, uh, depending on how many listens it gets and stuff like that. I'm going to try to do it once a week and... Probably a Saturday would make the most sense where I talk about, um, I guess, the biggest happenings in the uh, sports world in the previous week or in that week, I should say. Um, And, you know, we kind of start off here with a blockbuster um, in the NFL with uh, Matthew Stafford going to the Rams and Jerry Goff going to the Lions for a bunch of draft picks. So this is kind of the Rams putting all their chips in the middle of the table and hoping for the best. Um, Rams don't have a draft pick until 2024, first round. So the last draft, first round draft pick was Jared Goff, coincidentally. Um, That was, what, 2017? So that's a long time to go without a draft pick. That's seven years. Um, So a little bit of numbers here. Um, Stafford's defense has allowed 31.7 points per game. In his three playoff games. He's the QB with the most touchdowns thrown in the regular season without a playoff win. Um, Rams moved right away to the sixth, be- sixth best Super Bowl odds for next season. He's Matthew Stafford's had a top 10 defense once <laughs> with the Detroit Lions. Um, the only thing kind of here that... Is maybe a little bit worrisome from both sides. Is both guys are kind of becoming injury prone. Um, Stafford had has had a few injuries over the years. Um, Goff's been kind of injury riddled the last two, so to say, and he got hurt this this year in the playoffs as well. Um, so it's something to kind of um, just keep an eye on um, going forward. I mean, the health of both guys. Obviously, big investment for for both teams. Um, God forbid, uh, either the guys get injured um you know would the trade pay off and, and going forward um so also with the Rams uh he's gonna have a better run game so the lions averaged 93.7 yards per game which was third last and the Rams were at 126 per game which was 10th best um so obviously if Stafford isn't having the best day um, throwing the ball you know he's gonna have um, at least a run game that he can kind of depend on which he hasn't had Um, in Detroit um, throughout the years. I think it's something like he's had um, 1,200-yard rushing games in 12 years, which is like one a year. That's insane. If you think about it, that's insane. Um, And obviously, with the Rams' defense, I mean, we're assuming that their defense is going to be, if it's at worst, top 10 in the league next year. Um, He's going to have a great defense. Um so that's another thing to kinda to kind of um to watch out for. And another thing is Stafford wanted to go to Rams. Um and it's kinda like uh Detroit did him did him well. Like it was kinda sending off like, you know, we'll trade you um where you wanna go. Thanks for your service. And it's kinda like I guess what a lot of um teams do with their star players, so to say. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a that's a really good gesture because they could have traded him somewhere else. I don't think Stafford had a trade clause. I'm not I'm not 100 sure, um, but I mean they could have traded him anywhere, really. Um, and he obviously is good friends with Clayton Kershaw, and they played together in high school. So you know you get you're kind of reunited with your friend, and it's uh, you know some guys just feel better when they're around close friends and and stuff like that. So uh, I don't blame him for for. Uh, wanting to go there, and Sean McVay, it looks like, you know, he trusted him, and he trusted Sean McVay, so um, hopefully it's it's good for the, both of them going forward. Uh, so so now that the Lions have a quarterback, um, they have no wide receivers. Um, Golladay is a free agent, and they have, I believe, the sixth overall pick this year in the draft. So I'm thinking they're going to go for a wide receiver because there's a lot of good ones, you know, at the top there um Smith and Chase and, and guys like that. So I think getting him a number one target uh will be the best thing that they can do in this draft. I don't I assume their QB protection isn't that great. Um just because it's the lines. And also, I mean, like they can go out and, and get him protection in the first round and, and draft another uh wide receiver in the later rounds, like second, third, fourth. Like there's been better, you know, second, third and fourth round guys than than there have been in the first round but that's like excuse me that's like every other sport to tell you the truth like there's always gems in the later rounds um especially the drafts where there's you know six seven rounds like nhl and and football and stuff like that baseball there's guys you could pick in the 50th round you know who become all-stars and mvps um but i think it's i think the guys at the top of the the draft and the wide receiver class are really good and that's that's kind of what's going to separate them from, you know, the guys in the second and third round. And that's kind of, truth be told, I think that's the same thing with with quarterbacks. So if you need a quarterback, you're probably going to want to move up um, into the first round somewhere in the top um, 15, 20 to get a quarterback. Sure, you could get one later on, but I think there's three or four or five quarterbacks who are head and shoulders above the rest. And like, yeah, sure, you can get a guy in in the second or third round, just like any other year, fourth round, whatever. But I think these guys are head and shoulders above the rest that, if you really want a quarterback that's the future of your team for the next ten, fifteen years, you're gonna have to move in, into the first round. Um, another thing on Stafford, uh, he doesn't really have any um, big game experience. Like he has three, uh, he has three playoff games where he's thrown nine hundred eight yards, which is around 300, uh, 303 a game, four TDs, three interceptions, and a QB rating of eighty eight to round it off. Um, so, so that's the thing. Um, that kind of worries me if i'm the rams because he hasn't played in any big games apart from the three playoff games if you want to count those um so do what you will with that if if the rams win a title this season or the next season i should say uh, 2021 it's gonna be because their defense played extremely well and Stafford play them played just good enough to win a title <clears throat> That's my prediction. For all I know, he could come out and ball out it. But that's just just what I think is going to happen. I think the stage is going to be too big for him in his first year. And then you're already going to have an idea of what you're going to get in your second year. Remember, this is pretty much a two-year plan because um, he has two years on his contract. And I assume that they're not going to re-sign him after. I'm just assuming that they're not going to re-sign him after that. Who knows? Maybe they do. Maybe they extend him or something like that. And they give him another two years because I believe he's going to be 35 when this current deal expires. So, you know, if they extend him for another two, that's 37. But the thing I don't like is we always assume, you know, because Brady's kind of sending the new trend of where quarterbacks are going to play in their 40s. Like, that's not going to be every guy. Like, everyone's still talking about Aaron Rodgers, just to kind of go off topic a little bit. Like, Aaron Rodgers still has two, three, four years left. Like, we can't just assume that he's going to... He's great, there's no doubt about that, but we can't just assume that every quarterback that's really good is gonna be like Brady and play for 25 years in the, in the in the league. I think, you know, one hit and you're finished. So that's why, and to kind of jump to Drew Brees, that's why I think Drew Brees should kind of retire, although Drew Brees is um, in his 40s. Like one more hit and he could be done. Like the guy has kids at home and a wife, You've you've done well, you've made a lot of money, I get that you're still competitive, but, man, he's just not the same guy anymore. And that's just my opinion. Um, Stafford also throws a lot of TDs and and, and interceptions, obviously. 282 touchdowns, 144 interceptions. So it's not quite 2-1, to um, which is kind of, I guess, the measuring stick for for quarterbacks. But, like, honestly, if if you're a gunslinger, like, you're going to throw interceptions. Like, Favre is in the top 10 in interceptions. So is Marino, and so are a bunch of other guys. Like, guys aren't going to be, you know, singing the ball out there and just not throwing interceptions. Although now, to tell you the truth, the last, like, three, four, five years, like, there's guys throwing six, seven, eight interceptions a game. Or, sorry, a game, a season, which is, like, the new normal, I guess. And if you throw anywhere over 10, they look at you like, wow, like, he threw more than 10. That's a lot of interceptions. Speaking of interceptions, this is a... This, I found... Crazy stat. So fifty-three percent of Goff's interceptions have come in the last two seasons. He's been a starter for what three seasons? That's a lot. So more than half of his interceptions co- have come in the last um, two seasons. That's something to keep an eye on. And if, they're, if they don't have great, you know, wide receivers in Detroit, man, it could be a long career for him down there it could be a long career down there for him um and to kind of look at um Goff's numbers in in the playoffs he's two and three um 1300 yards on the dot passing yards 217 a game if you run it off four tds two interceptions and 80 qb rating so that's a little bit lower than the qb rating is a little bit lower than stafford but he also has um more games under his belt. But that that stat, I, I kind of dug that up because I know a lot of people have been talking about him and, and um, kind of like him throwing a lot of INTs and stuff like that, and I decided to look it up, and it's, wow, that's a lot. And Goff's Q, um, QBR this season was 58.5, which is 23rd overall, which is not very good. Um, so, so if I had to pick a winner of this draft or <laughs> winner of this draft, a winner of this trade, <clears throat> I would honestly take the Detroit Lions. Like, I get that they don't have wide receivers, but Goff is younger, and they got picks. And I understand that, you know, Goff's contract is, is pretty big, but um, you got a younger QB. You got a QB who's not that bad. Like, when people say he's terrible, he's not terrible. And I get that his defense carried him to a Super Bowl, and, like, he, his offense only scored three points in that Super Bowl. Um... But, you know, sometimes he, people like to pin on the fact that he was still young, you know, learning the ropes and, and stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, I think both needed a change of scenery. Um, McVeigh kind of gave up on him, to tell you the truth. So um, a change of scenery was needed for both. Would have been better if he ended up somewhere like Denver, and I'm talking about golf. Yeah, probably. But, you know, that's the hand that he's been dealt, and he's um, kind of got a play for now and and see what happens but they they got to go out and obviously get receivers whether that's two or three in the draft because i don't know i don't know if detroit is a market where a lot of guys want to play um so I, I don't know they're gonna have to they're gonna have to either draft two or three guys or or they're gonna have to go and sign um free agents because so I, I don't know who would want to play there um and with their situation i'm not too sure but like i like i said. If I had to pick a winner, right now, I'd take Detroit. And yeah, that's my opinion on that subject. Okay. Next topic. The LeBron incident in Atlanta. So LeBron got into it with a fan. You know, like a shouting match, you know, profanities, all this, that. um, And the fan's wife jumps in. Um, you know, she starts giving LeBron the business, you know, obviously it's recorded because everything has to be recorded nowadays. Um, and she gets kicked out. I think her husband, I'm not sure if her husband got kicked out or not, but I know she got kicked out. Um, then she goes on a rant on Instagram, how much she hates LeBron and she was just sticking up for her husband and you know, all that's good and well. Um, and then obviously she apologized uh, about the, for the incident a few days later. So i can imagine how many like death threats and stuff she got for sure like it's it's lebron james so my question is that i was kind of sitting today and thinking about this would this incident have been a big deal if it was someone other than lebron james so there's 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 kind of two ways that i looked at Would would it and the first way is just exactly what i asked right now would it be a big deal if it was someone other than lebron if it was kevin knox no disrespect to kevin knox he's not quite lebron james like would we be talking about it? Yeah, we would and we you know, we'd laugh for a little bit and stuff like that and we wouldn't care about it. And to be fair, this incident it was it was big news for like a day and a half or maybe two cuz she apologized and then you know, later people talked about it as well. Second thing is, would it be a big deal if it was someone like Kevin Knox and it was um like the regular season where there was fans and everything and there was no pandemic and stuff like that. So I don't think so. I think this is something that, you know, she would have got kicked out for and we would have forgot about it and it wouldn't have made news or, you know, they would have spoke about it for 10 seconds and just kind of move on to the next topic. Um, and another way of looking at it, would it be a big deal if it was LeBron with fans in the building and stuff like that? I think it would, because again, it's LeBron. Like I think if it was any high profile basketball player, but I use LeBron just because he's still the best. Um. If it was KD, would it be a big deal? Maybe, but since it was LeBron, it's it's kind of a big deal. And it was like it's like the first um, trash talking incident we've had in a while. You know, there were some in the bubble with families there and stuff like that. But I think because it was LeBron and LeBron said, you know, he missed that kind of stuff with you know no fans there and and he kind of needs it to, um, for people to get on their skin for him to to show out and he did that with. I think it was against Cleveland um, when he dropped 20, 23, 24 in, in the fourth. Um, and he just needs people like that to get under his skin. I mean, soon if fans are good kicked out of some arenas, he he's just get his teammates to get under his skin. You know, get Jared Dudley to, to say something to him because Jared's parents is really good at that. Um, so, um, so yeah, I think it was it, it was interesting, I guess, because it's, I, I don't know, you know, courtside karen or whatever and looks like she was intoxicated and and obviously she's gonna come out and apologize i mean she didn't have to but she definitely received some kind of death threats or something people blackmailing her maybe and stuff like that so um it's interesting that she did that but but it's also like a like a publicity stunt like for sure she gained followers on on instagram and i haven't looked this up so i don't really know um but I did check out her page just to see who she was. I thought maybe she was like a public figure, but she goes to a lot of Atlanta games and you know, she's taking pictures with two chains and like the people or the celebrities who go to a lot of Atlanta games. Um and there was one interesting post actually where it was like her husband from years past, um, where he was posting on his um Instagram since they're since they're courtside, obviously. Um they have courtside tickets. Uh past years where he's you know, where LeBron's getting to check in and and obviously they're kind of right next to the bench and LeBron's getting ready to check in. It's like a picture of, of the gentleman. I think his name is Carlos or something like that. And it's Carlos standing literally almost next to LeBron because he's so close to the check-in table and, um, the captions are like something like, I hate, he's a great player, but I hate this guy or something. And there's a, there's a few posts like that. So, um, this is probably going, been going on for a while. Um, and people obviously, um, love the clout as well. At this point, we live in a in a generation where, like I said, everything has to be on tape. Um, everything has to be uploaded to social media. Um, and, you know, you gain your followers and you're popular. You get your 15 minutes of fame. And I guess the next day you still wake up and you got to go to work. So, um, yeah, that's that's about uh, all I'm going to say about that. But uh, it, was just a, it was just a funny incident. It was funny and it was kind of refreshing. Like, we haven't seen that in a while. Again, like I said, I know it happened in the bubble last year. And it happened with LeBron this year. So I wonder how many times it's gonna happen actually um throughout the season now that it kinda of keeps happening to LeBron and in arenas where there are fans, courtside. I wonder if it's gonna keep happening. Not on a night to night basis, but um if it'll happen to LeBron again. Obviously I highly doubt it's gonna happen in LA because that's his you know his home court, but um like when he goes to other cities, that's that's something to keep an eye on, um if you like that type of stuff. Uh the third incident or the third news of the week, I guess, if you want to say. Um, I guess the fishing I was going to do the officiating in Arsenal match from the Wolverhampton game, but I couldn't even talk about the stuff that happened today because it was, I think, even worse than what happened on the Wolverhampton game. So for the soccer fans who know, um, you know, keep track. You know, David Luiz picked up a, a red card that was, he's kind of running behind a player, and I guess the William um, Jose kind of clipped um david luis on the kind of on the kneecap i guess although it's still inconclusive like i don't i didn't really see the clip but um kind of clipped him on the kneecap there and you know pk and a red card and people in the studio saying well you know he should have just gone up to him, and pretty much grabbed him with both shoulders and dragged him down and it would have been you know a yellow and a pk not a red and a pk so um and that had arsenal fans on twitter fuming and it had all of a sudden everyone knew the rules to to soccer and everyone was a fifa representative and and stuff like that so um was i mad yeah i was mad because it changed the game and a lot of fans are pointing out that you know it was already um the two added minutes in the first half had already been played and the referee should have blown the whistle to signal halftime. honestly that i didn't even mind because that happens all the time like referee allows you to play sometimes he blows it quicker, sometimes he blows it a little bit later, so, I mean, it happens. That's not the issue, but you can't tune out of the game in, like, the most critical part. Like, you never want to concede prior to halftime. You love scoring prior to halftime, but conceding is one of the worst things that you can, that can happen to you as a team. Um, So, you know, they ended up losing, and today, holy cow. um, Aston Villa was, again, the same thing, you know, Saka looked like he was getting away from um, Aston Villa defender, and he ends up um bringing him down and if he didn't bring him down saka would have probably gone one-on-one with the goalie and when you go one-on-one goal with the goalie anything could happen i'm not saying he would have scored but i'm anything could happen for all i know he could have missed the entire net but the fact that he denied him of a one-on-one with a goalkeeper is it's crazy that he only received the yellow and the craziest part is he got the yellow and he kept on playing rough the entire match and he kept on complaining about every call, and um, like it, it felt like everyone was taking everyone on Aston Villa was taking <clears throat> turns playing rough with um, with Saka, like fouling him hard and stuff like that. And then the Lacazette incident, um, where Martinez literally drags him down in the penalty box, and the referee gives Aston Villa a free kick when Lacazette literally did nothing. And I said this in, in like, my Arsenal podcast that I did today. Like, goalkeepers get so much protection, it is crazy. Like, there's plays that are blown dead before, maybe not before corners are taken, but as soon as the corner is taken. Like, it's just blown dead right away. And it's a foul on the offensive player because he was in the six-yard box of the goalie, not doing anything. Like, there's so much protection for goalkeepers. It is crazy crazy um and i don't mind like it's a pk okay but let's let's just let's just let's just say it wasn't you can't give let's say it was a soft call like like went down you can't give a free kick to the goalkeeper when like did nothing then you might as well just give it give it as a goal kick not if sorry scratch that you can't give a free kick because it did something to goalie when he didn't do anything just just let just let it be a goal kick then because now it just it just looks stupid because he literally did nothing and this is where you know var has to step in and again they didn't the rules are kind of all over the place like I don't think the rules are very clear so I mean what I don't understand what VAR is there for. Um, The the technology itself is really good. It's just the way that officials interpret it is not very good. And England is like... The English Premier League is probably the best league in the world. It's not probably it is. With the amount of money that's spent, um, the players that play there, and stuff like that... um, And they have the worst officials in all of europe um so i hate to use i hate to use um serbian officials officials as an example because some of them are really bad but for example um so serbia goes on a on a kind of two-month break in the winter time i believe two or three officials got sent down into the second tier because The marks that they received in the matches that they officiated were too low so they send them down to tier two which is like first league in translation so they don't I don't want to say they don't mess around because there's a lot of bad officials in Serbia as well but they're willing to send down officials if, if the marks that they receive in the matches that they officiate aren't that good and I think that's something that England and I'm sure they have some kind of policy where they can do that although they never do I think actually someone got sent down two three years ago if I'm not mistaken to the championship I could be wrong but I think it's something that every league needs to have where you grade every official on his match and at the end of the season you look at those um officiating marks and you kind of make a decision of you know if 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 their marks are way too low then you send them to um, tier 2 or from tier 2 to th- 3 or whatever it is and then you bring up whomever has the best marks in tier 2 or something along the lines of that to kind of award some officials and to kind of um, relegate others from from um, tier 1 to tier 2 I think that makes sense I understand some countries just don't have um, that much officiating like good enough officials to kind of go from, you know, someone goes from tier one to tier two, tier two to tier one and stuff like that. I get it. But if they can, like if any country can do that, they should. Because, man, it's crazy. Like, and it's not only Arsenal, like there's a lot of back calls. And that's honestly, that's throughout Europe. And like when VAR came into play, I think a lot of us thought, okay, this is going to solve a lot of problems. But we never looked at it like this could cause even more. And it could be even more confusing than it was before, and I think that's kind of where we're headed now, where there's more, more questions than answers, and I think the system maybe needs to be reviewed a little bit on like how we judge when um, VARs used and when it's not, and when officials can contact, when if VAR officials in the room can contact um, the head officials of the match and stuff like that. And what I did like today, actually, I. Th- Today was the first match they were in England. They allowed um, substitutions for uh, concussion, concussions. So if a player is concussed, like England went back to the three substitution rule. If a player is concussed and can't continue, you can make a substitution and you'd still have three. So I that's a I really like that part. Because it wouldn't be fair if someone got injured. Like Let's say two of your players get concussed, which is very rare in a match, but it could happen potentially. And then two of your substitutions are used on those two two guys who got concussed like I get stuff that happens but I I really like this rule and I'm not sure if it's all over Europe like the big five or whatever or if it's just England but if it is England I think all the the big five should incorporate that rule as well as the other um, leagues as the years go on or next year or whenever that is um that's all I really have for you guys oh my Super Bowl predictions um I think I'll take Oh, man, this is tough. I think I'll take KC tomorrow. Chiefs, I don't think it's going to be close. Like, if either team wins this, I think it's going to be a blowout. And I think a blowout is anywhere more more than, like, I would say 17 points. I think Chiefs are going to win 42 to 23. Um, MVP, it would be very easy to say Mahomes. Um, so I'm going to say Tyreek Hill. Uh, combined? I would say combined. I would say less than twenty rushing attempts. Each guy will throw at least thirty-five times. I don't know if thirty-five is a lot. I don't. <laughs> I don't know the stats, but I'm just gonna say thirty-five. Um, Tom Brady will throw two interceptions. Mahomes will throw one. Um, I already said MVP Hill. Um, color of Gatorade uh, red. Point toss, I'm gonna go with heads. Um I think that's about it. Yeah, those are my predictions. Yeah, that's it for this week's episode, ladies and gentlemen. This was this week in sports. I hope to see or hear you guys again next week. Take care, guys, and enjoy the Super Bowl. <laughs>